You have nothing to fear, Your Grace. The trial will begin shortly. Sassy is not here. Tommen is not here. Why do you think they are not here? If the accused is not here, she will be tried regardless. We cannot escape the justice of the gods. Forget about the bloody gods and listen to what I'm telling you. Cersei understands the consequences of her absence, and she is absent anyway, which means she does not intend to suffer those consequences. The trial can wait. We all need to leave. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 135, believe it or not. Game of Thrones, season 6, episode 10, The Winds of Winter. Really a great episode of television and coming at a time where I was really kind of down on this show and this really like brought me back into it. Yeah, I was telling you before we started recording that there are three episodes in Game of Thrones that have achieved the very rare 9.9 rating on IMDb. Oh, yeah. And two of them come back to back at the end of season six. The Battle of the Bastards, which leads into the Winds of Winter. This is our big return to Westeros way back, basically, what, did we say two and a half years ago? Yeah, holy shit. I, I wouldn't have thought that that other game of thrones episode we did was that long ago time flies when you're it's weird when you think about recording like gold an episode being in like the 40s or whatever because i just think about those episodes like 1 through 20 1 through 25 and those feel like so long ago to me whereas right. like in the 40s it didn't feel that long ago but those are way closer to each other than we are now <laughs> right are you doing like a parody this is of like me a Zach, yeah. <laughs> Reflection type moment. Well, speaking of reflection, I've been reflecting on how much I talk about time in our personal lives, and I gotta sure. stop <laughs> and rein that in. Enough. Everyone's just like, "Yeah, we get it. <laughs> time moves on. It's never gonna end." Okay, follow the show on Twitter <laughs> at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on iTunes. Seamless transition. Yeah. Well, we want to jump right into the matter at hand. Absolutely. I think. I'm sure there's a lot to say here. Just a little bit of housekeeping. I think we're going to get back to the Sunday night release, hopefully. Now everything should be back on schedule. Yeah, okay. And yeah. I don't know whether we want to overcommit. Well, okay. And then just for people who are keeping score at home, two television episodes pretty recently with this and right. Glow. So I do think that we're trying to get back to a balance, and yet I know from our schedule we're not doing another TV thing till at least July. So, <laughs> so there you have it. So this I is do it. think there is like a significant chunk of the ass clown community that's always like, I wish they would do more TV. Is there? I think so. <laughs> I don't think that yeah that community exists. Well, I I will say we spend a decent amount of time on the show like speaking to that non-existent. <laughs> 
<laughs> piece, uh, uh, how we're always trying to convince them that we're going to get back into TV. Well, I think the idea is more like we want to branch out and be more than just a movie podcast. It's true. We yeah. want to be like everything at once so That's we decided right. to add a music element to it which is really going well and we're going to get back to that at someday some point. Yeah. yeah yeah we'll have to decide what the next album we're going to cover is going to be it's sure getting it'll real be great. weird with the give us a seconds because it's just like what's going on we're just randomly doing a pet cemetery episode i think that reviewing current movies could be a fun new wrinkle to the give us a second okay because we see get so many new things in the name. theater yeah no, it's not going to get its own name, and it's not going to be everything we see, because we see so much, but every now and then, if it relates, especially if it relates to things we've done on the show, which Pet Cemetery did. Yeah. So here we sit one day removed from the beach bum. Any yes. takeaways from that? Well, it does relate to the show in that we covered Spring Breakers, and this is the new Harmony Corinne movie, and it's set in a very similar location. Sure, yeah. It felt like a Matthew McConaughey biopic. <laughs> <laughs> I will say some outrageous but fun performances from Zac Efron and a great appearance from Martin Lawrence. Yeah, I thought Efron was going to be in it more. Well, and he I, was actually in it less than Lawrence, sure. I would say. Yeah, I mean, everyone you kind of feel like is going to be in it more. Yeah, it's a lot of people moving in and out yeah. of the story. There's a lot of Snoop Dogg. Yeah. <laughs> Ray is his character name. <laughs> it's a strange I mean, was, movie. It's definitely yeah. not for everyone. There was definitely a lot of funny parts in it, but it is just like, what's the point of this? I don't know. I mean, pure entertainment. Yeah. Sure. I enjoyed it, even though I was like, this is really dumb. As weird as fucking Spring Breakers is... It Spring felt- Breakers is a masterpiece compared to the yeah, Beach Bum. Yeah, for sure. And actually, yeah. I'm a, I, you don't even have to say compared to the Beach <laughs> Bum. Spring Breakers is a masterpiece. Period. The Beach Bum is just a fun little right. diversion. It's only an hour and a half, so... If you enjoy McConaughey, I think you would enjoy it. Yeah. And if you don't, then you're going to get tired of it real quick, because <laughs> it's a lot of him being dumb. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough about the Beach Bum. Let's jump into Game of Thrones. Before we talk about the winds of winter, did we want to talk about the final season, which fans of Game of Thrones will have probably watched episode one of the final season before listening to this. Oh, true, yeah. Do you have any predictions, any hopes, any dreams tied in with it? There's certain characters that I still feel a little invested in. I don't really care if they die or not. I just kind of want them to have, like, endings that I feel like are satisfactory. Mm-hmm. There's certain characters that I liked throughout, you know, like Jamie and the Hound and stuff. I, I don't need them to factor into the end, but I, I would like to feel like, you know, some sort of satisfactory conclusion with their character, as opposed to just like a random kill off. Who do you think will sit upon the Iron Throne at the end of season eight? I'm hoping that it's just sort of like irrelevant. I, I don't really want that to be the point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I could see like a, a scenario where both Jon Snow and Daenerys die, and then it's like a wide open. Yeah, but it's it's probably going to end up being like a Bran, <laughs> just yeah, piss everyone off. Yeah, that was the big shocking thing leading into this season was they posted those uh, betting odds in Vegas, and Bran had the best odds, which I just thought was insane. So how excited does that make you for the final season? <laughs> Not very. Right, I will say that. Bran stinks. Although, to be fair, I feel that way about a lot of the characters. Well, that's the thing. You know, I think, you know, this season six, I just, 
I've been rewatching the whole series, and I just got through season six like a couple weeks ago, and I was more into it on rewatch. I can remember watching it when the show was, you know, happening live at this point, and I was really not in anymore. I had kind of lost my interest. Now, I do always maintain that it's kind of like the best produced show on TV, like the level of production yeah, they're quality like that they're putting in 10 this. to 15 million yeah. per episode. It's insane. So it's always like fun and interesting to watch, but I I really like was not invested in it at all anymore. But this season 6 finale kind of brought me back in in a way that right? This is what season yeah, 6. Yeah. yeah. It it brought me back in in a way that I didn't think I would ever be again, but then we went on to season 7 and I went right back to kind of being like, "Meh." <laughs> season 7 wasn't amazing, but it was certainly better than season five which i believe was like the real low point right i think i think that's right season four may have also not been great i can't remember it's some combination of those two seasons or somewhere in there that it's kind of like oof you know get this going here move this along sure it felt like a lot of treading water season six everything kind of clicks back well, you know, one thing that I didn't really remember, and it'll factor in heavily probably to our discussion of this episode as far as like what's going on with the Cersei storyline, but I really had no memory that the whole thing with these religious people went on for two seasons. Oh, yeah. Like going back, I would have thought, I was thinking that it was just one, but when we finish season five and, and Cersei does her walk of shame, right? I was like, wait, we still have like another full season of these fucking religious people. Yeah. I couldn't believe that took up two seasons. Everyone's least favorite storyline. Yeah, it's something that's introduced in the books. And I re-listened to our old episode 42 about season one, episode nine, Baylor. And one of the things we talked about was how the books aren't infallible. <laughs> like The oh, books sure, are sure. bad yeah. sometimes. <laughs> sometimes they are. And I know that there are people that are diehard fans of the books that prefer the books, that think that the things that the show changes are bad. But George R. R. Martin makes a lot of dumb decisions. Oh, absolutely. And this episode in particular just wipes so much of that garbage off the table. I and do, is yes. like, let's start over I will, and get rid of a yeah, lot. I, I absolutely will defend Benioff and Wise because I do think that the changes that they make for the show are positive ones for the most part. Yeah. I guess... To fulfill a certain number of seasons, they went down this road with this religious sect thing, which I've never really understood where it comes from and how it gets so much power. Yeah, it doesn't you can make never any really sense. buy it. I know. But they played with it for a while, and then now things are going to be cleared off the table here. So this episode was written by Benioff and Weiss, the co-creators of the show, directed by a guy named Miguel Sapachinik. Okay. I don't know. Another excellent name pronunciation yeah (laughs) the whole opening of the episode itself is this building of suspense building of tension this solemn piano music that like grows yeah one of the best sequences in the whole series and it's the first time they use this like piano music right so it really kind of jumps out because it feels different than almost any sequence that we've seen yeah Uh, i think as a viewer you instantly are on high alert right and i like i don't know what this is but my Something's going being, on yeah, here. <laughs> you, right, and you can't figure it out. There are some clues throughout the season, which, um, you know, obviously I didn't pick up on the first time through, but this time around I did. Tyrion talks about 
how the Mad King had put wildfire, wildfire under underneath all these buildings. Various points in the city. Right. In, in King's Land. But also there's one episode where Cersei's talking to, you know, this ex-maester dude or whatever who's kind of like her right hand now. She's like, you know, did you look into this? Is it true? And he's like, yes. But you don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Right. But I can remember us watching this episode and immediately, well, not immediately, but the, the episode's like building and building and you're kind of like seeing things are happening. And I can remember thinking back, being like, is this the end of The Godfather Part 1? You know, tonight we settle <laughs> I all wrote Game that, Affairs. I wrote that in here, especially when Pycelle is getting murdered right. in the <laughs> yeah. Red Keep while this is all playing out over at the, what do they call it, the Sept or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's right, the Sept of Baylor. <laughs> this like, is, yeah, it is very Godfather esque, and you're just like, holy shit! Like this episode, as I said, is a nine point nine on IMDb. It's considered one of the best of the series. It's universally praised. Yet, yeah, it stands out personally to me because it highlights two of my favorite characters, and the first is Cersei, who I get is a villain, and I understand oh, sure. that she's bad, but she's so great on this. She's show. a good one, though. And you just love it. Like, I can't help but love Cersei because she is Plus, such a badass. This was, like, such a great redemption moment for her. And, I mean, I know, like, most people think of redemption as like, <laughs> something positive. Yeah, but, like, she had been on such a down for, oh, like, yeah. a full two seasons, basically. Yeah. So, and in, to and have so this, everyone underestimates her right, so like, much. Right, you think it's over. Like, you think she's lost all her power, and then it's just like, whew. <laughs> She's like, I got, I got another one more trick move. up my sleeve. Yep. Basically, we're seeing the trial preparation for both her and Loris Tyrell. It's happening in the Grand Sept. And as a little, I don't know, cliff note to this whole thing, King Tommen, who's kind of been sucked into this Not really, religious I, sect I mean, because I, of his wife, yeah, who's sucked in because of her brother. I still can't follow this whole thing i, mean, I have some questions about marjorie there's and so, what's going on with so her. many points here where it feels like i don't know why tommen is going along with this i think because he's a malleable child yeah like and he's following the whims of his smoking hot wife True. who's older than right. him yeah she's got her claws dug in there and he'll do whatever she says but my questions are about her right because it seems like she's working an angle that you never fully see play out well, because of what happens. She's cutting a deal with the religious people, and maybe it's never fully revealed what that deal was supposed to be. Yeah, and why and what is exactly going on. Because yeah. at one point she slips that note to her grandmother with the rose on it, which is supposed to mean something. Right. I, I never really was clear on the what. Basically what happens is it seems like she's working an angle. Her brother is going to stand trial for basically having gay sex with Renly. And various other men, it seems like. Yeah, and just lying about it and different stuff like that. So she's trying to protect her brother. But it also, it seems like she wants him to confess. Like, that's all part of the deal. Yes. That she's figured out. Right. So because of all of this, a little cliff note onto this is that Tommen declares that Cersei, and to a lesser extent, Loras, can't choose trial by combat yeah because we all know that no one is going to beat gregor Clegane, right because he's already so again dead now, <laughs> now we're at the point where you know these religious people are making up the rules as they go well yeah they, they're they yeah. like well we need some way to avoid having to deal with that because <laughs> yeah. they're like well what we can't do anything about this guy right he's this giant zombie so 
we have to make a quick rule here that she can't fall back on that. Yeah. So once that's taken care of, they're going to have to actually face a real trial. I think we should probably point out, too, for two people who did read the books, this is fun as a TV viewer because you're now past the books. Yes. So, like, and the way they handle the whole, like, Tyrell thing is completely different. Yeah. Or at least with Loras Tyrell. Like, he's not pulled into any of this shit in the books. Yeah, I don't even remember. Yeah. Honestly. So this was, like, no idea that this was fucking coming. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, this was high suspense, and it was awesome. So, Loris is going to stand trial first. He pleads guilty with no trial. He's going to devote his life to the seven gods, renounce his name and titles and and his inheritance and everything like Which that. Which, they do do a good job of building up the importance of this over, like, the season or two. Because so much is said about him being, like, the heir to Highgarden, and it's all about continuing the family name and everything and it's just like this is a pretty big blow to the family yeah one thing that's interesting about game of thrones in general is that there's so many characters that there isn't always enough time to devote to certain characters who then become important even if it's only for a brief moment or even if it's only for one part of a storyline but these characters are thrust into significance because loris tyrell who's somebody who's basically been on the show since season one is not really on screen all that much no. ever well but that's the thing he's probably like always like the 20th build person in any episode that he's in but he has been in it since like i think his first appearance is in like the fourth episode right yeah that's just how this show works right. and so it's build up to this moment and so he's going to renounce his title his dad seems to be having a hard time with it especially when they well, start sh- carving that symbol <laughs> into his well, this forehead. Is, even uh, when i first saw that part i was like wow there is no turning back now. Yeah. You know, so, someone else that carved a symbol into their forehead at a trial was old Charlie Manson right. yeah. carving a swastika <laughs> on his forehead. Yeah, even Marjorie kind of was like balking at that a little bit. Yeah, she like, was like, this was like, not I, supposed to be part of the deal. Yeah, what are you doing? Just to briefly talk about the Loris angle in the book, I mean, it's completely different. He becomes like the Kingsguard and him and Jamie have like a weird, Jamie's kind of like, oh, he's like the new me type yeah. thing. And eventually, they like he goes and like leads an an attack on like Dragonstone and comes back like all fucked up, and like yeah. you think they're gonna do the same thing that they did to the mountain to him. Okay, like that's kind of how it all leaves off with him. Yeah, I vaguely remember. It's just remember completely that. different. It seems like this high sparrow guy who's kind of like this dirty bum, who's right. leading this whole religious thing. He's kind of like getting off on absolutely the carving of the thing. Yeah. He seems like almost like aroused by it, which is very strange, and. You do question the motives of both him and then later the Septa that Cersei gets her hands on, that tortured <laughs> Cersei previously. You do wonder, like, what is going on with these people? What is their motivations? Where did they come from? I know. Why are they doing this? It doesn't seem based in any real How do they have this thing. much of a fucking force? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of a commentary on, like, cult mentality sure. and how those things can, like, spring up, but... It, just, it seems out of place and in the Game of Thrones universe. And it never felt believable to me. I mean, the Lannister and Tyrell army who have the king, they can't overthrow this group. I agree with you, and it doesn't come off as believable, but I guess the idea they were going for was if they can get their claws in at a high enough level, then technically, like, Tommen is controlling sure, those things. Yeah. So he's then on their side. Right. But, yeah, it, it never felt right. While all this is going on, Grandmeister Pycelle, who's this old creep. 
really, I He's think, finishing up with a prostitute, a lady of the evening. For me, Picel on this show, he is like the Harry Crane of this show. Like, I just always... <laughs> Harry Crane, I hated throughout all of Mad Men. Picel, I hate through all of <laughs> Game of Thrones. I mean, I guess, he, you know, he's a good heel because he makes me hate him, but... It's, yeah. Uh, this was a satisfactory moment for me. So he gets sucked into this whole thing with this other guy that is going to be like Cersei's grandmeister guy, who's this like evil wizard. I don't really know how to explain him. Yeah, I don't know. He's he never dabbles really... in the dark arts. Right. Apparently, <laughs> he, he's never really portrayed as evil, really. But yeah, but he is though. Yeah, clearly. Right. I mean, he's on yeah. Cersei's side, and he's bringing people back from the dead. Yes. So something weird's going on. Gregor, as we mentioned, this... The who, Frankenstein version of the mountain. Yeah, he's this giant zombie who answers to Cersei and is like her personal bodyguard. He prevents Tommen from leaving the castle. So we see all these things going on. This, this music's building. Yeah, all Cersei's getting prepared for something. Tommen's getting ready. He's sitting there, and he's finally like, all right, I'm going to go over there now. And, and then, like, the mountain is just, like, nope. not letting him. Yeah. And so, as soon as that happened, we were watching this the first time live. I was like, oh, shit. What did you think? Here we that, go. I, yeah, I, I still didn't know what it meant. Well, but your first reaction is, like, oh, he's going to kill Tom. I know. That's what I was thinking. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, he's not killing him. Oh, shit, something's big is yeah, happening. Because yeah. this music, you're just, like, on edge. And you're like, well, something is going to happen. And it's such a long sequence, and the music just keeps going. Yeah, first you have Picel, and man, I, I can't even remember this other. So Cersei no-shows her trial after the whole thing with Loras plays out, so they send Lancel Lannister to retrieve her, and he's already been sucked into this religious thing. Sure, he's already yeah. a lost cause. So he leaves, but then he goes outside, and he sees one of Cersei's little spies, the like little these birds. dirty little kids yeah. running around, and he follows this spy underneath the sept, and once underneath there... He's running around in the dark. He sees, like, a torch thrown on the ground. He's, like, he stops, and he doesn't know what to do. And then one of the the kid, like, runs up and stabs him in the spine. Yeah. And as this happens, he's kind of, like, crawling around the floor. He notices these little, candles like, flickering basically of light. Basically, like, burning out. Yeah. And there's these candles, and you see this green shit everywhere that looks like toxic ooze from Which Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Which we recognize from other parts of the series we know where this is season going. two yeah Tyrion used this stuff and we so we we're like oh shit this is like wildfire which is this explosive material in westeros that we know about yeah and it's like all of a sudden the pieces are like coming together and you're like holy fuck right as that's happening we cut back to picel being killed by cersei's new grandmeister not directly by him but no. by all those little kids yeah <laughs> just stabbed the shit out of him <laughs> yeah and this really is like that godfather moment you're like we're settling all That's family business yeah. right. Like right now <laughs> yeah. and you're like holy shit and what's great is usually in the history of game of thrones a lot of times their big episode of a season was episode nine and episode 10 was like the cool down reset right and get you ready for what's coming next and episode nine of season six was the battle of the bastards which was a great really episode. episode yeah huge things battle between john stowe and ramsey bolton he gets killed in it, Ramsey. Yep. So you're like, holy shit, that was great. And you're not fully expecting something this crazy to kick off the beginning right. of episode 10. If they were going to pull a move like this, you would have thought maybe they'll throw it in at the end and be like, wow, 
but like it kicks you're off opening with 20 yeah. minutes of this build and you're like holy shit marjorie upstairs is like the only one who starts something's wrong here yeah thinking like um where's cersei what's going on this is not right and i love like you know it cuts to different scenes and come back to her and she's running up and she's like screaming in the high sparrow's face like this fuck your gods like up. we gotta yeah. get out of here like this whole and her rising panic over these couple of scenes is like really great yeah, she's this is a really good performance by her in this sequence yeah it is weird because like there's a lot it feels like and maybe like certain game of thrones fans would be like no that's not true but i i do it feels like there's kind of a lot of big characters in the scene in the moment because it's like you basically have the whole tyrell family other than elena yeah yeah you have kevin lannister who is now kind of the elder lannister voice and he's kind of de facto running things really right at this point lancel yeah the high sparrow and all of the religious people right but like yeah other than that it's not like recognizable names per sure se. but it's kind of all the power within king's landing at this juncture of the show right with the exception of tommen and cersei yeah so she ends up trying to leave she's like grabbing loris and she's like we got to get out of here for whatever reason i never really was clear i guess because to just like assert some authority and to force this to proceed the sparrow people just block them from leaving right i don't Marjorie really isn't on trial, right? They, so, like, why are they forcing her to stay? I think she's been consistently a prisoner up to this point, though. I can, yeah, I can't remember. I didn't have time to rewatch. Like, she this was whole a season. prisoner, but then she got special treatment as a prisoner because she was, you know, <laughs> a hot chick, right? <laughs> it's so, just the way it is. I think there still have been like under the control of this religious group for okay. quite some time now. So basically, they're not allowed to leave, and they're not getting it. And she's freaking out. We cut back to Lancel underneath the sept, and he's trying to like get to those candles, and he just can't. And everything ignites, and this and green just, fire just bursts up through everything. Everyone and eviscerated. Everything in like explodes. two seconds. And right as like that rumbling is happening, like right before it it explodes up to that upper level, like you get that look on the high sparrow's face. Is like, it does he just finally dawns on him that something? Like even off. maybe before. The rumbling starts. Yeah. Does he start to like have a look on his face? Like, wait a minute, maybe she's right, and then right. it's like too late. Yep, it's kind of satisfying no matter what. I mean, it sucks to see Marjorie go. She's one of the hottest chicks on the show for sure. Sure, but I mean, what a scene! What an unbelievable thing to oh, happen! Yeah. It's so great. And then it's just that it, we get the cut back to Cersei watching it, right? Yes. So, and she kind of like... Both Cersei and Tommen yeah, yeah. see this happening. Yeah, Cersei kind of no-sells it, but in a great way. Oh, like, yeah. It's so satisfying to her. Truthfully, this show and its run on HBO has been populated by these big moments every now and then that shock audiences, especially those who didn't read the books. Right. Because Ned Stark dies in season one. Yeah. He's supposed to be the main character. What the fuck? Season three... The Red Wedding. Yes. And you're like, well, what? wait a minute. What, now <laughs> you know? what? Yeah. There's always like these now what moments. Well, especially even with this, once this happens, I'm like, oh, okay, so now Cersei's going to get control of Tommen back. Right. And then that fucking changes. So Cersei's got one last trick, one last thing that we didn't even expect, which is she's went and captured the Septa 
basically a nun right that tortured her which i also found this part satisfying unbelievable i I don't know that you should but i'm like i love this confess it felt good beating me starving me frightening me humiliating me you didn't do it because you cared about my atonement you did it because it felt good i understand I do things because they feel good. I drink because it feels good. I killed my husband because it felt good to be rid of him. I fucked my brother because it feels good to feel him inside me. I lie about fucking my brother. Because it feels good to keep our sons safe from hateful hypocrites. I killed your high sparrow. And all his little sparrows. All his septons, all his scepters. All his filthy soldiers. Because it felt good to watch them burn. It felt good to imagine their shock and their pain. No thought has ever given me great. Even confessing feels good under the right circumstances. You've always been quiet. I said my face would be the last thing you saw before you died, do you remember? I'm ready to meet the gods. What? Now? Today? You're not going to die today. You're not going to die for quite a while. Sir Gregor. This is Sir Gregor Kagan. He's quiet, too. Your gods have forsaken you. This is your god now. So instead of having this lady blow up, she's got her strapped down in a dungeon in the castle. Yeah. I do enjoy revenge. And she gives this quote like i called it the quote feels good speech which is really off the charts because she <laughs> yeah. talks about how it feels good to fuck her brother yeah and it felt good to murder her husband she basically just says everything that we, we as viewers know but it's still kind of unspoken things sure in the world of and this whole thing will continue like beyond this episode now where cersei it's like she finally has this position and she's like i can do whatever the fuck i want yeah like i can just be open about the fact that I'm she's lost Jamie. everything. Yeah. Well, not yet, but about to. And so she's really like off the chain. Yeah, the feels good speech is great. And then when you're like, this lady's like, fine, fuck it, I'm ready to die. And she's just like, what, now? You, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, and this seems like 
you won't be dying for a long time. And that lady is just like starts weeping, basically, oh, like, yeah. oh no. And then she brings in Gregor Clegane and you're to just do like, I don't even know what. I'm not even sure what he's gonna. I do. I have some thoughts. It w- it just seems like it would be. Does wh- it involve a zombie penis? I think so. Yeah, and it's just like what an experience <laughs> for everyone. Sure. <laughs> And so she leaves her there, and she's like, she does say to her, basically on the way out, like, this is your god now. Oh, <laughs> Pointing wow. <to> the mountain. <laughs> All of this great revenge comes with a high price as Cersei's last remaining child, Tommen, commits suicide once he realizes that Marjorie, the love of his life, is not coming back. Can't blame him. You <laughs> yeah, know. It's never going to get better right. for that, him, I guess. <laughs> I do like that he removes the crown and walks out of the frame and you're kind of like, okay. Because as soon as they showed him, I'm like, I bet he kills himself. But then he like takes his crown off and walks out of the frame. And I really I wasn't, wasn't sure where this. it was going. And so then he just, just kind of walks back in and walks up to the ledge and just falls right off. Right. <laughs> it's really great. Here's the thing. You never really get like a Cersei like mourning the death of Tommen. Well, they show her the body yeah. later. And I know, but she I... tells that new Grandmeister what to do with the body, right. basically. But yeah. I think at that point she's just dead inside anyway. Yeah. I think she, not that she knew specifically, but she knew that doing something like she did was probably going to have an impact. Cause a problem. (laughs) Basically, you have this child who just watched his wife, this person that he thinks he's in love with, and all of these people be murdered, and there's no one there. There's never anyone there to comfort him. He's just this kid. And Cersei probably could have prevented this, but she was too busy extracting more revenge on the Septa in the basement. And, you know, she kind of doesn't have anyone else to blame for not being there as a mother to this child. Her level of commitment to revenge. Mm -hmm. So after this, after this insane opening to this episode, we check in at the twins... Walder Frey celebrates the recapture of River Run with the Lannister soldiers. Jamie and Braun are there. You get a quick shot of that waitress. Yeah. Which I don't think I realized until maybe the third time I'd seen this episode. It's like, oh, this is the chick from the end of the yeah, episode. Okay, yes, yes. Or not the end, but almost the end. Right. I didn't really realize that she made an earlier appearance, that she had her eyes set on Jamie at one point, and then I guess it didn't play out that way. Right. We'll come back to her. And then Waldor comes over and he's talking to Jamie and Jamie's just like not having it. Oh, he's yeah. just like, well, what do we even need you for if you just keep losing the things we give you and we have to come back and re-win it for right. you? <laughs> You're so useless. Yeah, I mean, within, you know, a episode and a half or two episode span, basically like the whole allegiance that was set up after the Red Wedding falls apart. Mostly because the phrase stink. Yeah. And are worthless. Right. We check back in with Cersei as she's being shown Tommen. Jamie. Your Grace, there's no need. Show me. What are your thoughts concerning the King's funeral? As the Sept of Baylor is no longer an option, perhaps a ceremony in the throne room? He should be with his grandfather, his brother, his sister. Burn him. 
bury his ashes where the sept once stood. She wants him burned and his ashes buried at the the rubble of the Grand Sept so that he can be with his grandfather and brother and sister. That's right, yeah. <laughs> kind of a real grim... <laughs> Things have gotten pretty dark at this yeah. point. But like, I do love that she has no pretense with this guy who's like her r- new right-hand right, man. Right. Like, she doesn't pretend like, oh, Robert Baratheon's his father. Like, we have to bury him. Oh, you know, she right, doesn't even yeah. mention his yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? no, yeah. Well, There's that's no the thing. At this point, anymore. she that is the thing. She's finally at the point where she's off the chain, and it's just kind of just like <laughs> an open book as far as like, why do I need to protect these secrets anymore? Yeah, who am I hiding it from? I'm the fucking queen, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so we check in at Old Town, where Samuel Tarley and Gilly are arriving at the Citadel. They witness the release of countless White Ravens announcing winter. Kind of a big moment. Probably my least favorite sequence of events throughout the whole series. Sam at the Citadel. Yeah, I know. Who cares? It right. stinks. Yeah. Plus, it leads to the, all of that shit material. That's right. In season seven. Yep. It's like, oh, God, it's so gross. But he's going to get this meeting with the Archmaester, I guess, and he has access to the library. Gilly and the baby not allowed in there. I will say this. Gilly, kind of a babe. I think so, too. Never really noticed it much until this episode, maybe, where she's got her hair down looking good. Yeah. (laughs) She popped up in that. She's definitely got, like, a unique look. Catherine Bigelow movie, Detroit. Oh, that's right. She gets her dress ripped off at one point. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Very briefly. Up at Winterfell, we kind of have a little brief meeting here between Malisandra and Jon Snow. I will say this. Malisandra, goddamn, the hottest babe in Westeros by about a million percent. In my opinion. That woman, Hottest chick on the show. In her 40s, too. Yeah, she's unbelievable. Yeah. Carice Van Houten she or whatever her job, name is. Yeah. Whew. My uh, God in you know, heaven. She's <laughs> really managed to piss off Davos. Davos comes in. He's all pissed off because they burned Princess Shireen. I will say. Stannis' daughter at kinda, the stake. I didn't remember it kind of going on this long, but rewatching the show... Melisandre really kind of depressed for like a lot of episodes. I, I enjoy the depressed Melisandre. Emo Melisandre. Yeah, like, yeah. you well, know, because she was always so confident, like, the Lord of Light, you know, look to your sins. The night is dark and full of terror, like, spitting all this shit all the time. And then it's just like, once she killed a kid and realized that it was a mistake, it's like, I don't, I don't yeah, hear you and telling us Stannis all sorts of is, shit. Or, now. Uh, Davos is like, you lied about all this shit. And she's, she's like, I didn't lie. I was wrong. Yeah. And you kind of believe her. I mean, and in that the sense was just that like she same did thing. believe in what she was doing. She was just so wrong. Right. And so, Davos is great in this because he's like, what did it matter? What do you? What did it save? They're all oh, dead. Yeah. <laughs> you burned this girl for nothing. Well, and it's kind of a fun scene with him because he's so like even keeled throughout the whole series and never really gets like that emotional. He's, he's, he was like me yeah. when that episode happened, when they burned that girl. I was oh, I know. done. I was almost done with the show. I, I was just I was like, like, you're I just going to kill this, this little girl for no reason. I know, they make her so sweet and kind, and you're just like, Jesus Christ. Let's light her on fire. <laughs> I do kind of have some questions about how Davos put all of this together by finding that fire pit in the previous episode. Well, he gave her that little toy. I know, but he, he finds. just finds it in some ashes, and he somehow knows exactly what happened. Well... To be fair, Melisandre wanted to burn that kid that was like Robert's bastard, and he Davos had to like stop that. So I mean, 
She's the, always the, trying to burn kids. Yeah. <laughs> she is just like a witch from a fairy tale. And Davos <laughs> was purposely left behind on this trip where they went out and they're like, all right, all the horses are dying. We're running out of food. We need to light this girl on fire to get things back on track. So Davos wants permission from John to put Melisandre to death for murder. John gives Melisandre a chance to speak and she is basically like, I could be useful in this battle against the the Night King and this whole thing with the White Walkers. Which, you need me. Can we briefly just talk about, I kind of hate how they refer to that dude as the Night King. You know what I hate more it's than that? It's just generally accepted that that's his name. Yeah, I know. Where did that come from? I know. Did he call himself that? Right. The only thing I hate more than that is Bill Simmons referring to the show as Thrones casually all the time. Yeah, well, Bill Simmons does a lot of hateable things. <laughs> And really so, everyone involved with the ringer. John decides not to kill Melisandre. Probably because he's thinking, well, maybe Davos will die and then I can just bring her back. Yeah. <laughs> because she's pretty smoking hot. I like to have her around. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes she throws me a fuck. True. <laughs> Which has it's happened. It's nice to know she's out there. So instead he banishes her from the north and she has to ride south. And if she comes back north again, she'll be killed. So she leaves on horseback. I guess she's in it season like seven, like tangling up with the Daenerys storyline briefly. We're at the point of the show, or at the point of the series, where people are just going back and forth across fucking the country constantly now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Early on in the show, when they go from like Winterfell to King's Landing or like vice versa, they say it's like months to make this trip. Right. Well, we're going to have the most egregious example of this yeah. at the end of this episode, right. which was shocking every time I've watched this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you're just like, what the fuck? I know. But anyway, John but imagine and Melisandre just riding horseback across the well, fucking country. Well, I thought that too, but I mean, come on. She's a witch. Yeah. I don't think people are going to. I don't think anyone's going to really be able to mess with her and come out on the right side i mean she gave birth to that shadow thing yeah that was it seems up. like she can just do whatever she wants i think so yeah okay so john and sansa they seem to have this big trust issue between them sansa saved john's ass in the previous episode by reuniting with her old friend little finger oh, yeah. and bringing in the knights of the veil who saved the soldiers against ramsey's army and they're kind of awkward around each other they're like deferring back and forth like right. who's gonna get their parents room and all Ooh. this stuff although they never really feel like brother and sister sure there's sometimes i well, feel I, like a little sexual tension going on i mean on. i do think it's clear that of all the siblings these were probably you couldn't be any more far apart than these two right yeah because i mean she really took after her mother who hated Jon snow notably yeah and john had a connection with Arya. yeah and Arya and Sansa, although close in real life, those actresses, like okay. they're supposed yeah. to be not close as sisters because right. they were so different. But now they're together. There's not a lot of Starks left. I guess they decide that they have to trust each other because what else can they do at this oh, point? Yeah. There's too many enemies. I do like that Sansa's like, oh, we got this white raven from the Citadel. Winter's here. And I'm like... Bitch, look around. It's fucking snowing. Yeah. Like, I, think, I think we can see that Winter's here. She's making some big announcement. It's like, thanks. Well, Sansa, I mean, her, the whole like development of her character is like, you know, she's been through these horrible things. She spent so much time with Cersei. She's kind of learned the way of the world, and she's learned how this all works. But I will say, she is just so incredibly like annoying. <laughs> and every time that like John is like trying to make like a point or like a stance on anything, she's like there, like 
publicly undermining him. What is the deal, Sansa? Well, there is this battle as to like who is in charge of Winterfell, even though they both defer to each other, like publicly or not publicly, but to each other. They're like, right. "Well, no, you should be." No, 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 you should. You know. But then, like, yeah, like you said, then Sansa's like undermining. Yeah, yeah. It is very bizarre. I think they're trying to set up some of the trust stuff at Winterfell that plays out more in, in the next seven. seven. In, yeah, in seven. We get a very brief scene in Dorne where the grieving Olena Tyrell meets with Ilaria, the widow of What's-His-Face who got killed by the mountain but also kind of killed the mountain and led to the zombie mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That chick, they're talking about like some alliance and Olena's like, Vera fuck shows that. Up. Yeah. Like, I don't care about an alliance. She's like, I got one thing that Revenge. I want now. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, you're right. We're offering you vengeance. Varys shows up and he's basically speaking for Daenerys. And so the implication here, which leads into what happens with Daenerys later in this episode, is that when she finally comes to Westeros, she's going to have allies. Yeah. Dorne, Highgarden, and some of the Greyjoys. Right. So she's kind of amassing a team to go with her already pretty big team. Three of the seven kingdoms right there. Yeah. And it doesn't take very long for her to work her way up into Winterfell with those sure. idiots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's just flashing her fucking blonde pussy around. I will say Meanwhile, it's like, this is your aunt, John. I, I, <laughs> yeah, you weirdo. I will say, I mean... Who are I, you? <laughs> I think that the Dorn stuff is some of, like, the feels most mishandled on the show. Like, I get that they're just kind of, like, running out of time. And they never wanted to commit as much as they do in the books to Dorne and the Greyjoys, right. thankfully. Now, the one Greyjoy guy does factor a lot into the next season and presumably into the last as season. As a villain, right? Yeah. yeah. But they trimmed so much of that Greyjoy garbage out. And then yeah, which is they a also good thing. scaled the Dorne stuff way back. Right. But they, the way that they do the Dorne stuff on the show makes it feel like so weird and rushed because... First of all, they just, like, kill off Oberyn's brother and his bodyguard in, like, a very quick scene. And yeah. then it's just, like, Illyria Sand is just, like, running things. Yeah. And then, really, it's, like, episode two of season seven that, like, two of these Sandsnake girls get killed off. Yeah. Once they do the incident at the Grand Sept where they just wiped out a lot right. of characters, it seemed like... Let's let's get them off. Benioff yeah. and Weiss were having their own Godfather part one. Yeah, moment. they were just like, like... We got we to get rid of a right. lot of George R. R. We're running out of time. We here. only have, you know, 15 episodes left. <laughs> Speaking of Daenerys, we go to Marine next. She's telling Dario that he has to stay. He can't come to Westeros. Who cares? He yeah, stinks. Right. He's not. He's like, what, the second or third Dario? I mean, they replaced the, the second, actor. yeah seems that Tyrion told Daenerys to make this decision. Tyrion has, like, kind of a crazy amount of influence now over Daenerys. It is shocking. I mean, Varys just kind of, like... I, it's weird. Like, they have a scene in the next season where Daenerys starts going after, like, Varys really hard and, like, grilling him about his involvement and everything from the beginning. I feel like she does it to Tyrion at times, too. It's just like she's constantly being like, I'm going to trust you with all these decisions, but then I'm going to, like, grill the shit out of you. Yeah. But she does make Tyrion hand of the queen. Right. So that's, yeah, that's basically what happens after Dario accepts that he's going to have to stay behind. And I do think, like, the best 
Tyrion through the whole show, like the most fun was when he was Hand of the King in season two. And he had like this power and was doing all this shit. Tyrion's a character that I initially loved and I don't dislike now, but my it's definitely cooled. Yes. He was a lot more fun in the first couple of seasons. I would agree with that. And now he's kind of just, eh. I don't know, he's just one of those characters now where he just has like conversations about his status. Right. Like, this is who I am. This is what we're doing. Well, that's what I mean. This that's, is why well, we're doing it. He's in the Daenerys camp. I that's know. Uh, th- the most annoying. All camp. we do is like say who we are in our name and our eighty-seven friggin' nicknames. I will say, uh, <laughs> real quick, I had never heard this before, but recently someone was telling me about this theory about how Tyrion is actually part Targaryen because there's like this reference in the book that. The reason Tywin left King's Landing when he was Hand of the King, like originally, something I don't know. There's the, uh, supposedly some reference to Tywin's wife. Yeah, and I've the heard Mad this. King. I've heard this. Yes, I'm sure that there's no way this can play out in the show, right? I mean, I could see it as being something. It'd be tough. I mean, Bran would have to hop on one of those trees. That's right. And go go back <laughs> to the, the. Now that that's in play, anything is on the table. Yeah, it's just weird, though, because he seems connected to his father and that storyline. I don't yeah. know why he would be going to, like, the history of Casterly Rock. And right. It's just like, well, I don't know. It'd be hard to convey. I think part of the fun, though, for things like this that have these rich histories that are never really shown but referenced is that you can have various fan theories that could well be true. Sure, sure. And you never really have to explain it. It's right. just kind of sitting there. I do think that there's enough twists and turns that make sense to a degree in our kind of fun. And especially like what we'll get to, you know, with the big reveal of this episode. I do hate when it's, it's like what we t- talked about with like True Blood back in the day and everything. It's like every <laughs> single thing is something. Right. It's like we really don't need that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is that level, though. Well, nothing is that level. This is more just it seems like. I think the idea is like, okay, so we're caught up in what's going on with these current people, yeah. these current characters. And if you just take one of them, whether it's Tyrion and everything he's done or Sansa and everything that's happened to her, right. all the people she's been with, you know, with Ramsay and then being at the the Vale and being with Cersei, you know, like all this wild shit, all this crazy stuff has happened. People take different lovers. People change who they're aligned with, Do all these different things happen. And I think the idea is the previous generation was just like that sure, too. Sure, sure, right. And, it just and you can never figure it out. And it's just like when you get down to it, the stuff going on at Again, the end of like, this episode with Ned and his sister and yep. Rhaegar and Robert and everything, it's just drama it, bullshit. It's like rules of attraction. It's perception, <laughs> you know. It's madness. It's a little bit of the perception, but it's just No like, one knows who their parents are. It's not like ned and his sister and robert and rhaegar and all these people were more epic and right. more better it's like they were doing the same shit it's just like jealousy over who's sleeping with who do you think that different bullshit going on you know it's just like typical drama do you think that Tyrion and sansa have a chance at getting it going again i'm looking forward to a possible reunion i think so i i feel like the, the he likes to play with that in the books. Like there will be times where Sansa will be like, Oh yeah. And my husband, <laughs> you know, like inner thought. Okay. So back at the twins, Walder Frey eating alone 
and he starts to wonder aloud why his sons have yet to arrive. There's this servant girl who had her eyes on Jamie earlier. Walter's like not sure if she's related to him, and then she's like, no, and he's like, yeah, too attractive or whatever. He <laughs> smacks her on the ass. Oh, boy. Just a complete yeah. creep. I love it. He's just like, where are my sons? And she's just like, they're here. And he's like, well, tell them to come in here. And she's like, well, no, they're here. And he's like, what? Yeah, this is kind of like a Hannibal type moment. And so it turns out that this servant has baked Walder's sons into the very pie that he has just been eating. And you're like, what the fuck? There's like this finger there. And he starts like gagging. And it's like this really gross scene. And she pulls off her mask, Mission Impossible. That's right. Style to reveal that it's Arya. Where are my damn moron sons? Black Walder and Lothar promised to be here by midday. They're here, my lord. Well, what are they doing? Trimming their cunt hairs? Tell them to come here, now. But they're already here, my lord. Here, my lord. They weren't easy to carve, especially Black Walder. My name is Arya Stark. I want you to know that. The last thing you're ever going to see is a Stark smiling down at you as you die. Arya is like, hey, I'm Arya Stark. I just want you to know that. And I'm going to fucking kill you. She cuts Walter's throat. A lot she, like, of throat cutting in this show. And really is enjoying the throat cutting. And it's like this young, plucky girl from season one has that's turned right. into this cold-blooded killer that well, smiles she, while someone's blood drains out of their throat. She's killed people in a lot of brutal ways. I, I mean, love it. You think back to, I think, the season before where uh, she kills Sir Marin Trant, the Kingsguard dude, at the brothel. Yeah. She just jumps on him and stabs both his eyes out. She's the best. (laughs) I saw some loser nerd on the internet complaining about Arya and the way they've done Arya on the show and what they've turned her into. It was getting some traction with some of these loser nerds that are into the books. And I was like, you know what? Go fuck yourselves. Thank you. Cersei and Arya are my two favorite characters, and that's really why this episode jumps out to me because it's so great. (laughs) They both get just delicious revenge I know. in this episode. And you really want Arya to get some revenge. Just some. I well, mean, yeah. we know that she's not going to get it all I because mean, this, Joffrey already is that's dead. That's right, yeah. And other people are already dead. But she's she, crossing names off that list. Yeah, and Walder was a big one because he betrayed her mother and her brother at the Red Wedding. Yeah. And to get that one under her belt is so great. She's obviously a big part of what ends up happening to Littlefinger as well, who has betrayed her family numerous times. Oh, yeah. Really kind of set all the wheels in motion all the way back in season one. Yeah. Littlefinger and what all went on with Catelyn's sister and her husband and that whole thing. That's basically the wheels that set everything into motion. That, and then even once you're in... I mean, he continues to keep it going. Like, in season one, he betrays Ned, which ends up fucking Ned over. Right, and that's... We're going to get there. 
because he basically, for the first time, reveals himself in the next scene right. with Sansa. Forgive me, my lady. If you're at prayer. I'm done with all that. I came here every day when I was a girl. Prayed to be somewhere else. Back then I only thought about what I wanted, never about what I had. I was a stupid girl. You were a child. What do you want? I thought you knew what I wanted. I was wrong. No. You weren't. Every time I'm faced with a decision, I close my eyes and see the same picture. Whenever I consider an action, I ask myself, will this action help to make this picture a reality? Pull it out of my mind and into the world. And I only act if the answer is yes. A picture of me on the Iron Throne. And you by my side. It's a pretty picture. News of this battle will spread quickly through the Seven Kingdoms. I've declared for House Stark for all to hear. You've declared for other houses before Lord Baelish. It's never stopped you from serving yourself. The past has gone for good. You can sit here mourning its departure, or you can prepare for the future. You, my love, are the future of House Stark. Who should the North rally behind? True-born daughter of Ned and Catelyn Stark, born here at Winterfell, or a motherless bastard born in the South? He's already kissed her once, which was super creepy. It felt over the line at that <laughs> time. It's over the line in 2019 in America, but in this world, probably not that over the line. Well, seems San- like you can kind of do whatever you want in yeah. Westeros. It does feel like I don't know. Sansa is definitely figuring out how to play him, though. Is this the first time that he makes his plan known out loud? That he wants to be the king? Yeah, that he's uh, yeah. saying, like, I want to sit on the Iron Throne. I want you by my side I as think my so. wife. Because yes. th- it seems like we all know that that's what he wants, but he's never really right. revealed that. And in kind of an un-Littlefinger-esque moment, he actually says this out loud, and then he's kind of rejected by Sansa, who's right. kind of like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not into this anymore, you old creep. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond the wall, this scene is kind of dumb, but it leads into the important reveal. So, Benjen Stark, Mira Reed, Bran Stark, they get near the wall. I was at a point where I was thinking Benjen was not going to be back on the show. Yeah. And I knew he was a character in the books. What do they call him in the book? Cold Hands. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, he's like half man, half White Walker, but he still fights for man, which I don't really understand. No one does. How he became that when other people just turn into the white walkers or whatever anyway benjen cannot pass the wall because he reveals that it's more than just a physical wall right there's a lot of magic spells that prevent the dead from passing through and so he has to stay and he 
basically is like, hey, I'm going to leave. I'm going to fight this fight on the side of man, but, you know, I'm probably going to die. <laughs> so see ya. Mira puts Bran on this weirwood tree, and we get the completion of a vision that had started previously on the show. A vision of a young Ned Stark looking kind of like the lead singer of Puddle of Mud. Not really into the young Ned Stark look. I know, it doesn't really look anything like yeah. Sean Bean. And the the time difference from season one of the show and when this is supposedly happening is what, right. like 15, 20 years? At mo- it's not even 20 years. It'd be like 16, 17 years. Now, this is... He changed that much. I know. <laughs> and this scene is a continuation of a flashback or whatever that we saw earlier in the right. season, which is kind of one of the most famous scenes from the book, it feels like. A lot of readers of the books are really into it and it's a scene that happens in the first book that tower of joy scene yes people are very obsessed with the parentage of Jon snow yeah but for some reason i mean i think most people figure it out pretty quickly and then move on right <laughs> i don't really know if there's really much to gain from this other than as you said it's very rules of attraction and like yeah it's different though. It's not about like people with mental issues. It's just like lies and changing the narrative. And basically, over time, you learn that Lyanna Stark was not kidnapped and raped by Rhaegar. Right. That they were actually in love, and Robert seemingly just could not handle this truth. And so she gets impregnated and has this secret child. Right. And this is what we see at the Tower of Joy in this scene and- through Bran. A lot of it is sort of, like, revealed in the dialogue when they have the conversation, when it's these Kingsguard dudes, and Ned's like, why the hell weren't you, like, protecting Rhaegar, like, in battle? Why are you here? And they're like, well, you know, he wanted us here. It's like, So, like, all the details are kind of in this scene. I do remember, like, being really excited for this scene to finally be portrayed, but it like kind of comes and goes really quick, and it, and she it, whispers part of it, and it's kind of hard to hear everything she says. Yeah, but she you definitely hear her say like Robert would kill him. You need to protect him. Right. Please, you know, promise me, and all of these things. And yeah, it's that Which, reality because when you f- hear about Liana and you see her statue, you think like it does make, older woman, oh, epic yeah, right. story, and you're like she's just this kid, and she just had sex with this guy that she liked and got pregnant and it became this scandal that yeah. didn't fit with the new narrative which is we're getting rid of the Targaryens. And maybe the, it, <laughs> this is another big piece of the perception that like it it takes it back to where the show kicks off and everything with Robert and Ned and this friendship and like how Tywin Lannister is like how he all fits into the puzzle because I never get the sense that like Robert is so evil that he would kill a kid, you know? But she... I don't know. I, I don't know what the deal with Robert is. I kind of right. do think that he was that jealous over I guess so, her. yeah. Yeah, obviously he had a strange obsession with her. And in order to protect Jon Snow, it seems like Ned just went along with this story. Yeah. I think he knew the truth by that point, obviously. Sure. In order to protect Jon, he had to go with the new narrative, which is... That Liana was like an unwilling participant in all of this, and she died. And Ned just banged some unknown tavern woman. wench right. on the road and brought back a baby. And so finally, for people who had long suspected and had never gotten that full confirmation, even though we were most of the way there at this point, 
Lyanna Stark is Jon Snow's mother. Rhaegar Targaryen, Daenerys' older brother, is his father. So he's, like, kind of half Stark. He's not Ned Stark's son. He's half Stark, half Targaryen. Right. Which, in and of itself, is the Song of Ice and Fire on his own already. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe he is just the end himself. I think that makes sense (laughs) if it is, but, yeah. I get that this show has introduced incest in the very first episode. It's talked a lot about how incest was a big part of like the Targaryen heritage. Yes. I still find it strange that it's very possible that like the good ending of the show, the quote happy ending of the show is going to potentially revolve around incest. <laughs> <laughs> John think- and Daenerys together and they have a kid. I think that the the reveal there is that it probably won't be happily ever after for those two, but yeah, it does seem likely that she will get pregnant by right. John. Yeah, kind of yeah. a weird thing. They're not brother and sister, so it's not as bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Like, they're not, they would need to be one more removed before, like, it would be legal even in, like, our society. Because I okay. think, like, technically, second cousins can get married. In America, I still think. frowned upon, though. Well, yeah, I mean, people—if <laughs> if people find out, they're not thrilled yeah, yeah. to hear that. Right. But I think it's only illegal for like first cousins, and so, so like you... they're like, she's his aunt technically. Yes. So that's like one level. So do you think? Which is weird. So that's in and basically of like cousins almost. Yeah. Do you think Bran's gonna show up? And you know, these two are already like. <laughs> He's like, oh going. my god, <laughs> John! I gotta tell you something. The baby transitions into the adult Jon Snow at the gathering of the Northern Lords, the Knights of the Vale, and the Free Folk. They're all having this meeting. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Jon is like... Best character from season six, this little girl from fucking... Yeah, we'll get there. So Jon is like trying to keep these people together because everyone is always mistrusting the wildlings. You know, they're like, fuck these people. Yeah, they have a history of fighting with them. There's certainly been probably some rapes, you know. (laughs) I did like in episode nine when Daenerys was talking to Yara and was like, oh, right. no more reavings, no more pillagings, no more rapes. And, <laughs> and our, Yara's like, but that's our way of life. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's like, there's a true enemy coming and they're not waiting the storm out. They bring the storm or yes. know, they come with the storm or whatever. And you're right. This character, I believe, named after... Jon Snow's mother. Her, oh, name, her name is, is Lyanna Mormont. And okay. I would have to imagine that's why she's named that. Yeah, probably. Right. Nobody knows that this is Jon's mother, of course. This is just basically his aunt in his mind, Ned's sister. However, Lady Lyanna Mormont stands up. Just and a great <laughs> monologue here. <laughs> she shames Lord Manderly, Lord Glover, Lord Kerwin for refusing the call to help House Stark in the battle against the bastard Ramsay. Your son was butchered at the Red Wedding, Lord Manderley. But you refused the call. You swore allegiance to House Stark, Lord Glover. But in their hour of greatest need, you refused the call. And you, Lord Kerwin, your father was skinned alive by Ramsay Bolton. Still, you refused the call. 
but House Mormont remembers. The North remembers. We know no king, but the king in the North whose name is Stark. I don't care if he's a bastard. Ned Stark's blood runs through his veins. He's my king from this day until his last day. Lady Mormont speaks harshly, and truly. My son died for Rob Stark, the young wolf. I didn't think we'd find another king in my lifetime. I didn't commit my men to your cause, because I didn't want more Mandalays dying for nothing. But I was wrong. Jon Snow avenged the Red Wedding. He is the White Wolf, the king in the north. I did not fight beside you on the field, and I will regret that until my dying day. A man can only admit when he was wrong and ask forgiveness. There's nothing to forgive, my lord. There will be more fights to come. House Glover will stand behind House Stark, as we have for a thousand years. And I will stand behind Jon Snow. The King in the North! The King in the North! Just a triple homicide (laughs) reported in this room. I mean, she just (laughs) eviscerates these three grown old men. Oh, yeah. She's like a 10-year-old girl. Right. It's so hilarious. At the end of it, too, when she gets done, the look on John's face, I was howling laughing. Yeah, I know. His mouth is like open. Like, he's just shocked. Like, (laughs) what? Everyone's like almost averting their face. They're so embarrassed. They're just like, (laughs) Jesus Christ. She just humiliated That's these right. three. And they're all just like, they have no choice but to pledge themselves to John now after yeah, I being know. humiliated like that. <laughs> and we get a very reminiscent of the Rob Stark scene. The king Everyone the declaring the yes. king in the north. Everyone except for Littlefinger. Yeah, he's standing off to the side. Nothing to kind say. Of quietly yeah. observing Well, this is kind thing. of very going against this plan. You're, well, you're like... Not necessarily Wait, now I because got another he's got fucking a, king in the mix. Yeah, but I think he realizes that in order to get what he wants, he'd have to get rid of these people in one way or another. So having him rush into battle the same way that okay. Rob did yeah. is probably not that bad of an option. But yes, there's a lot of echoes of that scene with Rob. The one difference, though, I would say is that we know John way more than we ever knew Rob. That's true. And yes, it is true that John has already died. In fact, he started this season dead. That's right. And ends it being declared king of the north. However, you get a certain feeling that John can handle things better than Rob. Rob had too much of his father in him. Yeah. Whereas John, not actually 
the son of Ned, so True. he's a little different. Ned's fatal flaw, obviously, was rushing into things, believing that he was on the side of just honor, yeah. and honor, and not always understanding all of the angles. John has it took John being betrayed, I think, to kind of get him to that. Yeah, level. he's seen the dark side. He's he didn't kill Malisandra, whereas Rob, I think, would cut people's heads off because he was trying to emulate his father's honor. Right, and. John realized that maybe Malisandre could be useful, and that would never fit in with what Ned would do. Yeah. And so he banishes her instead. Anyway, Jamie and Bronn return to King's Landing just to see it smoldering. On fire, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh boy, what, <laughs> what <the> happened? Fuck? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jamie I will say, finds out that his third child is dead and yet right. can't really mourn publicly because he can't really just say, like, oh, yeah, these were my three kids. I do love that they managed to keep Bronn as a character in the show. Yeah, Bronn is great. Like, they just kind of seamlessly transition him from being, like, Tyrion's right hand <laughs> to basically Jamie's. Yeah. And it works so well. Like, the, they have just, like, such great scenes together. Bronn is definitely a fan favorite. You kind of have the feeling, like... He might survive the whole thing. He seems he like just, he would. Yeah, he always yeah. somehow has an angle right. of surviving. Jamie arrives just in time to see Cersei sworn in as queen. It's this very dark and somber room that this is all playing it out in. It does seem ridiculous. All the Kingsguard now wear black armor, I think. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong about maybe that. Maybe like it was for mourning the recently okay. departed. Yeah. You do wonder, like, who are these people that are even in this room? But I guess, like, some of the people in King's Landing and just your regular everyday citizens, they kind of have to go along with this because at this point you're just trying to cling to any shred of normalcy and reality. Well, because I, everything is so topsy-turvy now. I know, and it is, like, throughout the, the set show... The just exploded, tons of people were just killed, and then the king commits suicide, although I'm sure... The general public didn't know that it was suicide, but they know that the king died, too. But throughout the show, there's always, like, generic, anonymous men and women of the court, you know? Right, yeah. It's just like, who even would these people be at this point? Yeah. It's people that, like I said, they have to just go with it, even if they're like, this is fucked up and weird, but, like... (laughs) What are they going to do? They have oh, to yeah. just cling to whatever they know, and this is like, well, this is how this is supposed to go, so we have to go along with the program. But even Jamie is watching, and he's just like, oh, boy. Yeah. He's got a look on his face like, this is not good. Because Cersei has nothing now anchoring her to reality. She's gotten full power, the most power she's ever had, and yet the only thing that kept her human, which were her kids, are now gone. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. There's no humanity left there anymore. And I think even Jamie, who loves her, knows that. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) This is not good for anyone. Finally, the last scene, Daenerys traveling to Westeros. I mean, it only took her six whole goddamn seasons to pull this shit together. Well, it's always like, that's the big disappointing thing for me for every, like, Game of Thrones finale. Like, it always, like, ends with, like, a Daenerys scene. (laughs) Yeah, which is why I think it's definitely going to be interesting to see if Daenerys wins the Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? If she's the one that sits on the throne at the end. Because I felt like that's how this was all building. Sure. That was the point that's of what her feels even like, being involved. Right. That's what this all was for. That's why and we had to now deal with in, all this shit in this other continent. In season seven, I feel like they're flirting with the idea that she's turning into the Mad Queen like her father, who was the Mad King, and that 
She's I don't think they'll ever play it out like that, though. I don't know, man. I think people are starting to think that she's not surviving this. Wow. That Whereas would I, that would have been unfathomable to me like three, four years for ago. For me, too. That I will say, that would be a huge swerve. Now, I mean, this show has kind of made its money on huge swerves, but now that we're getting towards the end... I feel like if she dies, John will die, too. Okay. Whereas if John dies, that doesn't mean Daenerys will die. Right. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I think, like, in order to... Ba- I don't think... I think if she dies, they're swerving you big time at that point, and yeah. it's not going to be John. But John could die, and Daenerys still survives. Well, who is it then? If both of them Arya. die, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, unfortunately, I could definitely see Arya not making it because of the life that she's living. Sure. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Either that, or she'll be like not directly involved with whatever's happening. But I don't know. You do start running out of candidates or who feel like candidates that make sense well we already talked about brand but is the whole point is there a way they end it without even landing on someone having to be like the new king or queen or do you think that definitely has to factor into the end just because of the title of the show i would think that that would factor in. okay what do you think about cersei winning <laughs> that would be fun <laughs> or the night king yeah that would pr- i think a lot of people are rooting for that at this point <laughs> Yeah, they're so annoyed with everyone else. Yeah. So Daenerys is headed to Westeros. Alliances with some of the Ironborn, Dorne, Highgarden. She's got this armada now established with all these ships and the three dragons. What happens if the dragons get tired flying across this great ocean or whatever this is? Yeah, that's a good point. I I was wondering. I was like, that's a lot to ask of these dragons. How far is this trip? Right. There's no place on those boats big enough for those dragons to chill. That's a good point. I don't know what they would do. I guess they're just strong enough to do it. We just have to accept it. That's true. So the big question here is what the fuck teleporting varies. He's just back on the ship now after going all the way to Dorne. Yeah, and then I guess back to Essos. Yeah, real dumb. I just don't like it. I don't like that they did it. But even Arya making it from... Because she's showing up from Essos to... The twins in kind of a short period of time. I feel like going one way is okay. It, I can just buy it enough. Right. I can be like, okay. The house of buys. They showed up. They got there. Whatever. But then to have Varys go back, back and forth that fast, that seemed crazy. We, we've just hit this point in the show. Though. I mean, it's just like John will get a raven like in an episode and be like, hey, I'm Daenerys Stormborn, the unburnt, the fucking mother of whatever. And... Come to Dragonstone, bend the knee, and that's just like the next, like the same episode. He's at Dragonstone. It's like months of travel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess at this point you just have to yeah. buy the the traveling to make things work. But it's all this talk of like, well, winter is here. These White Walkers are going to show up at any moment. And it's just like now you're spending half a year traveling back and forth between Dragonstone <laughs> and talk to Daenerys. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for the Winds of Winter. That does it for Game of Thrones. Yeah. We did this episode in time for the final season now, which is premiering right right this minute, basically. Oh, wow. Okay. As this episode's being posted? (laughs) Possibly. So, hopefully... for the Criterion streaming channel, I would say. (laughs) Yeah, I have it, and I downloaded it. but maybe one day. Haven't even watched a single thing or really even looked at it that closely. A lot of great streaming stuff. They just announced the uh, Disney one, which is coming out in like in November. Oh wow! 
looks pretty sweet. That'll like end up putting Netflix out of business. Netflix dropped their value dropped, I guess, like eight billion dollars or something like that overnight, basically because of this. Yep, (laughs) something crazy. Anyway. Thank you for listening. Follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Do we have any final thoughts about Game of Thrones? I can't imagine Malisandra. Maybe we'll do some sort of reaction to the end of the show. I feel like there probably won't be enough good nudity in the last season. I think that that's probably a fair guess by you. <laughs> anyway, that'll do it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Seriously, man, you and me, we're fucking done professionally.